So now we've passed the uh, middle of this retreat period together. So if we you know, come back into that frame of reference, the world of time and space. And naturally, as we all know, this retreat will come to an end. And just to, you know, not to rush that, but to acknowledge that, because generally what I experience tells me that generally people are kind of sensing leaving, but then there's a bit of a rush and a flurry at the end of it, and there's bags and bits of laundry flashing in and out of bags and hoovers booming and then cars <coughs> brushing off. <laughs> and it's sort of sort of pops out like corks out of bottles as it were that there can be that yeah. suddenly the world of organization comes in you know and all oh, right hey yeah better get going i planned this i got that and we're off you know? and i don't know how you how if you've done retreats how you how you are with that whether that feels suitable to you I just to me it seems rather cruel <laughs> right, so a bit, bit Southern, and are you prepared? No way. Every day we sort of come between these different levels, and uh, you know, I'd say, you know, what we are um, cultivating or climbing into is from the really personal level of our names and numbers and histories and so on, and our occupations and identities into something we might call transpersonal, which is less personally formed, but certainly subjective, to do with the inner experience of my this body, uh, elements of mind which uh, and mood and heart, which some of it has been kind of tapping on the door of my personal world for a while, but and really given it full attention, or perhaps I've given it rather peremptory attention, just kind of, oh well, never mind, or go somewhere else, but these these things coming in. And then also, as we begin to open the, our doors inwardly, then also what are called transpersonal factors, such as mindfulness, investigation, uh, um, an energy that's applied to deepening, sustaining this inner inner world, uh, inner process, and uh, rapture, happiness, and, and samadhi, and other qualities such as kindness and so on, qualities of heart, which we I I would say that we can all touch into those, and um, from time to time. Uh, as as things open up, and we also open up the realm of our, our what I call a karmic field. You know, you know, karma is a field, just like the body actually is a more like a field in which this uh, physicality acts as a kind of like the the central um, fleshy bit of it, like a lightning conductor or like a television set or something like that, with all these energies moving around and through it. Yeah? And it generally extends beyond the physical limits of the body. You can sense things, you can sense the space around you, for example. Yeah? Um, so there's a, a field, an embodied field, that um, 
this body arises within as this body changes in its shape and its age this field remains there mm-hmm. uh, and we also have a mind field which is the you know as you can see it's kind of orbiting memories and moods and intuitions come in and out of centre you have a centre if you like which is the bit that I'm looking at and organising and things kind of move in and out of that from somewhere <laughs> you know where where's it all stored where do the memories live when, they're not, when I'm not actually thinking them through where do, how do thoughts arise where do they come from where do inclinations and moods and intuitions arise from we can recognise they're triggered they may be triggered by a sight or a sound but the sight or a sound is not the same as the thought is it and we can recognise that that same sight or sound might seem rather different to another person yeah, depending on their karmic their karmic field, their karmic inclinations you know what to you is familiar is strange to me what to me is obvious may be mysterious to you clearly um, I, you know how you see yourself physically you know, you may look at yourself in the mirror and think, oh yeah, it's different from how I see you, it doesn't trigger the same things yeah? so we look through the, the, our own eyes, you might say, we hear through our own ears, and that interpretation of the world, interpretation of phenomena, there's a subjectivity to that, clearly, and that's all associated with, uh, you know, the field of karma, of results and actions, particularly the resultant karma, how we have learnt things, how we have... Uh, what meanings and values we've ascribed to things, what things have become familiar to us, what things have become fearful to us, what things have become exciting or repellent or familiar to us and so on. You know. So this is all this field and as you, you enter into that, you realize this is where you actually you live. Yeah. You know, the rest of it's just where they send the letters, but where you live is in this. You know. And you don't get out of it by by getting in your car, that's for sure. <laughs> so just remember this, when you leave a retreat, you don't leave your karmic field. It goes right with you. And you want to take all your skills with you. Naturally, the, the settings will be rather different, so it's good to begin to lay down some, some personal guidelines of, you know, this is the kind of stuff you have to be recognised, you know, whether you like it or not, this is your field. So it's kind of, it's subjective and it's definitely, you know, yours, but it's not personal in that it's not developed by your personality. It's, it's uh, often what's happened to you, uh, what's been around you, what's affected you. And your personality is, is the set of programs and structures and, and, and behaviours that, that begin to grow as we grow up first we don't have much of a personality and it starts to grow up as our awareness meets the world around us yeah. as, as we you know, aware, awareness of chitta meets the world around us how do I deal with this? oh, oh right, I do this there goes the first bit oh, this smile means welcome okay, that's another bit this particular sound means this, there's another bit. You see babies, they're just gobbling all this up. They're looking around, their fingers are going out, their eyes are 
checking it all out and really trying to get as much going, build up their world as quick as possible. Yeah. And kids, just tremendous fireballs of energy, learning on a, on a gut level and a heart level what this is all about. Yeah. And um, they don't always get it right, of course. Or sometimes they get, um, you know, messages that assume to be eternal, like somebody doesn't like you, you get a sense of, you know, if that's repeated, that there's something wrong with you. Where it's just this person doesn't like you for a, for a while, maybe, for a day, doesn't mean forever. So these things get structured into our personality, how we're expected to behave and so forth. So that definitely forms this um, extremity of the self called the personality. And we all have one. Mm. That's our organiser, that's how we relate to the world when we arise into the experience of me and the world. We have a personality. That, we can't ignore that. Mm. We can't just say it doesn't count. It's just purely a personality, so what? No, because uh, that's the bit that's going to be receiving... (laughs) impressions and that's the bit that's going to be receiving impressions and translating it into karma into past karma and that's the bit that's also going to be broadcasting the karmic impressions of my jitta into the world around me it comes out through my personality right my personal speaks according to the language i've learned obviously um my what I find interesting speaks through, you know, this personality. You know, my who who I seem to be is, you know, affects you one way or another. I can't shrug that off and say, well, that's just the person. So what? It still affects you. So there's a sense of this personality is it's, it has an importance, but we want to feed it from inside, if you like. Feed it into, feed it with the transpersonal, so that instead of being constantly configured by the world of circumstances, it starts to be healed and and mollified and and soothed and steadied and assured through these in these transpersonal factors, hmm. such as goodwill, claret, mindfulness. You know all the things that we try to uh, encourage in what we call meditation or growing awareness. You know? mm. And so one must be very clear to not fall into the error that oh, you know, the transpersonal is another level. Personality doesn't matter. Uh, um, you know, I do my transpersonal stuff on the cushion, and then I go back to being me again. I did my stuff, my my. You know, whatever it was on the retreat, and then that's finished, and now, okay, that was quite nice or refreshing or different, and then same old stuff rolls out again. Mm. And there can be a, a, a real uh, reluctance, particularly when we get plenty, some nice calm states and some nice deep transpersonal states. I don't really want to enter the personal realm at all really it's nice down there (laughs) for me it is anyway (laughs) but it's not it's nice it's good it's rich it's enjoyable and and still yeah you know things do come scratching at the surface 
deal with it. Oh, tomorrow. Oh, no. Business duty. And yeah, when we're on retreat, we certainly make an effort to shelve that in order that we can enter and, and feed and nourish and ask this transpersonal level to to um, you know to be aware of it so that some of its contractedness or its staleness or its blindness is healed uh, and cured or, or re- remedied and then you know, how does it come back again to, to, to this me level which we all experience have to have to work through have to relate to there's the personal, the transpersonal, and then there's the unconditioned, which is a you know a, a step beyond that. I haven't really talked much about that actually. <laughs> but this is where the uh, intentionality stops. There's no will. There's no definition. There's no. Um, it's where the designations, the impressions, it's the way the wave of all that, as it rises up and passes and passes away, empties. So we may touch some of that where things empty too. And uh, why I don't mention it really is because so often, well, it can be the case that just the, you know when we configure the unconditioned, we kind of don't really give due attention to the arising and the passing of the waves. You want to get it over with to get to that good bit at the end of the line. We jump. But um, so there can be both the, un- the reluctance to allow things to arise, moods, feelings, impressions, you know, thoughts, memories, pains. Don't want it to arise. Yeah. So that takes quite a bit of doing just to be able to expect, sense, look, you know, there has to be room for unpleasant feeling because feeling is unpleasant. <laughs> Not all of it, but some of it is distinctly unpleasant. <laughs> it doesn't mean there's such a, no such thing as pleasant feeling, yeah? but unpleasant feeling is one of the three, you know, so it's at least a third percentage wise is going to be somewhat unpleasant. Can you be with that? Can you can you actually acknowledge that and not feel it's uh, your problem, yeah, or something going wrong that you've got to change or fix? <laughs> Do you have room for it to allow sadness, failure? <coughs> to arise, the perceptions of that, the mental pang of that, mm. separation, pang of that, mm. Mm. without just jumping to the next thing, and oh well, mm. so, or counteracting it, so this wave. And then because if you follow that wave, this is what makes you brings tickets integrated. It means we our relationship to the unpleasant is very, is more peaceful.
I like pleasure. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a sadist, I like, I'm not a masochist, I like, I like pleasant stuff for me. <laughs> but I don't want to just so, you know, favour that. I don't, certainly don't favour unpleasant feeling, but I do realise that I have to, you know, open to it. Because there is it, it does happen. Come on. Everybody has it. You know, it's part of the deal. It's not, it's, you know, it's not even, it's not a personal matter. It's, it's this existence. <laughs> and why you know, it's emphasized, not because this is the only thing, but because this is the bit we don't want to know about. And open to, you know, open to unpleasant, unpleasant feeling. Not to say we have to like it, but to allow that wave to happen, to realize it is a wave. And if you can open and widen and soften, it will pass through. It doesn't pass perhaps as quickly as we would like to, but it will pass. And you get more free through that. And you begin to enjoy the freedom <clears throat> from the reaction and the fear and the tension against unpleasant feeling. Now, quite a bit of, <clears throat> in my opinion, quite a bit of monastic life is unpleasant. It's gradually got less and less unpleasant to me. Um, yeah, first of all, it's quite extraordinarily unpleasant. <laughs> makes you wonder why I did it. <laughs> and, uh, but there you kind of hang in for some, God knows why, but some irrational <laughs> sense of the something you know, I have to deal with. Don't know what it is, but, you know. Uh, and then, it, it, you know, it could be different kinds of displeasure, unpleasantness, um, you know. Yeah, human interactions aren't always so great. Um, anyway, not to go into it, it's not. Certainly, you know, I assure you, it's it's not miserable, but it can be. The unpleasant feeling is not is not cushioned. <laughs> you know, you just you know the basic watchword of of the forest tradition is patiently endure. <laughs> And it's certainly people that can be quite, you know, personally rather pleasant, nice, soft, open, gentle, because they realise, you know, this is going to be, you know, we don't want to make it more because you, it could be unpleasant anyway. And, you know, we're not going to take that away. It's not going to make it that comfortable. So it's friendship, definitely friendship, but we're not gonna, it's not going to be pleasant. You know, so it's things like, Sitting for hours and hours and hours on hard floors. Um, food turns up when it turns up. Sometimes it doesn't turn up. It's what it is. It's not what you want. You're enjoying your meditation. Oh, it's time to go to some meeting or another, which you're not interested in. In fact, you're fed up with the same old stuff going on. You go to that. There's my lovely Somali blown again. And... Um, <laughs> 
you know, and then so on and so on, and tedium, tedium. Same old thing, tedium, tedium, tedium. So that can be unpleasant. Um, and then somebody getting up, upset and blowing up, that's unpleasant. Um, <laughs> and so on. And then the physical discomfort of it can be quite unpleasant. But that actually get used to it after a while. Um, the loneliness can be unpleasant. The aloneness can be unpleasant. Displeasing. On a, on a personal level. Mm. And all night sittings can be really unpleasant. We have to sit up, sit up all night, and it's generally there's a kind of a, a sense of encouragement. It's not exactly a hard and fast law, but a strong encouragement. And I don't really, I don't see how you can sit there, sit up all night until five in the morning without feeling some somewhere or another. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> This is inhuman. Because <laughs> not my meditation isn't improving, it's, it's weakening, I'm falling asleep, my back aches, my knees ache, I'm looking around, everybody else is falling asleep, falling over, tottering. What is the point of this? Why are we doing this so stupid, pointless thing to do? And then the mosquitoes come and ding, ding, ding. The only thing that's keeping you awake is the mosquitoes biting and you kind of start to wait for them because at least it's time to keep you company (laughs) 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 Uh, and then uh, then it's the kind of crowning thing after you've kind of struggled through and there's the bell (sighs) now it's the morning chanting oh the morning chanting (laughs) and you're like oh and uh, particularly in the Thai monasteries, they do it in Thai and English, so it's twice as long. And they do all the long versions of it. You're kind of croaking through this long morning chanting. It goes on and on, these cracked voices that nobody quite keeps in tune. Oh, this is, this is pitiful. <laughs> and they get to the end, the end of it, and think, oh, that's it, surely. Isn't it? You're waiting. Something else is going to happen at any moment now. And then the lay people then come and ask permission to leave the monastery and you know, chanting some more. Okay, right, finish. Then they're asking for forgiveness. Yeah, okay, finish that. Then, okay, it's time now if you just sweep the sala. Oh, sweep the sala. Now time for arms round. Oh, God. <laughs> come back from the arms round, sit up for the meal. The meal, get your bowl, looking at the bowl. Now contemplate the unattractiveness of the food. Oh, God. You know, this is so inhuman. Uh, uh, and then, uh, but I recognised somehow in all this is some sense of, hey, you know, everybody else is doing it. We, we, we. There's this one thread. We. We, we, we are in this, and there's a, some sense of I'm not backing out of this, not because I have to, but because I'm part of this, and this form is helping me to open up and allow unpleasant feeling to be exactly what it is—physical, mental, psychological. It's not going to kill me. 
Mm, right. And wow. Actually, I do feel a lot freer, a lot easier, a lot less edgy about physical, mental discomfort. I can handle that, or my, I've got the space for it. Mm. So you allow, you know, actually allow that wave to rise and watch all the kind of splutterings that go on about it shouldn't, I don't want it, how can I, okay, that's all part of it, and then keep going, it passes through. So that's certainly monastic training, it's part of that, to, to lengthen, so that then when it does pass, as it, as it does, moves through, to you eventually you just give up. And then it's just that, it's only a feeling. Passes. Mm. And it subsides into something very open and spacious. Your mind has stopped its edginess and its complaining and its fearfulness. That was worthwhile. Yeah. So, you know, just to follow that way. But naturally this is time, and so often it's time that's really such a crucial ingredient and a time span on a personal level is pretty sh- pretty narrow, you know, it's minutes, seconds, hours, days, it goes according to clocks, and we're not clocks, uh, we just, and also we don't, we can't really measure, because the time of real time is very flexible, very fluid, yeah. And you just got to allow it to to stretch in accordance with what's necessary to allow processes to move and recognize they have to allow to move and subside rather than truncated. If they've truncated, they haven't completed yet. When they complete, they complete into the unconditioned, the complete, where, where the designations fade out. Mm-hmm. So if you, but if you set your sights on the unconditioned, then you tend to avoid the process, or try to sidestep it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, that's my opinion. <coughs> so, so, to, so really to have the understanding, the wisdom that grows from knowing what it takes what is required, what is present, and what is absent in that process, what gradually absents itself. What absents itself, is simply, simply speaking, is selfhood. Progressively, aspects of myself, defended parts of myself, compulsive parts of myself, reactive parts of myself, then perhaps less reactive, but still you know, pressurized parts of my of my experience that seem to be myself, they begin to oh yeah. Oh, oh that oh that goes, does it? Oh. oh that oh that didn't realise it until it passed. And it's left as something spacious, larger. And again I'm just throwing some, some ideas up in the air because I don't know how you'll experience that. But I if you do Follow that process, you will experience it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
because that's that's the way it goes. It's not a personal process. <laughs> that's that's that's. <laughs> It's not a personal process that's dependent upon personalities. It's a transpersonal process. Anyway. Now to return to maybe what I was trying to suggest also has to go the other way if there is any recognition of the unconditioned it may not have happened may not have processed to that place or that point in this retreat but if there's some recognition of a transpersonal something a little bit beyond yourself you've managed to stretch beyond your boundaries you've managed to open beyond your you know your your con- conventional familiar zones, you know. So you've come into something beyond that. And again, it's just this is because it is this way. It's not, you know. And you will all do that because you your personalities do arise from a transpersonal place. You didn't have it when you were born. <laughs> it changes over time. It's 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 created by causes and conditions. So it's not an eternal fixed reality. There's something beneath or before that that has given the energy for that to be created, just like you put your clothes on. You weren't born in them. Yeah? And so you, you gradually find the clothes that fit you and you put them on, according to what you know the world sees as suitable, appropriate. There's nothing, nothing mysterious about this, apart from that we forget it. So, so it's just as important in in terms of being a custodian of your karma. We are heirs to our karma. Our karma continues to be a custodian of that. So we're not just uh, we're trying to find the way to the end of that process, where the karma, the the repetitive compulsiveness, the familiarity the stuckness, the habitualness of that experience of life can subside and with something much more fresh, joyful, immediate, direct, lighter. You're not carrying the weight of the past, of your structures. So so the ending of karma is one way in which this um, practice path is described. And the subsiding of it, subsiding of karma formations, the stilling of sankharas. So, as we, you know, over time, the next few days, as we're coming more consciously or more uh, inevitably to our personal <coughs> realms, our personal forms, the topic is how do you become yourself, your person again, without going back. How do you integrate some of this into your behavior, your life structures, your duties, the way you operate? And bear in mind, this isn't something, it has to, you can't figure it exactly. You can perhaps pencil in some suggestions, but you have to listen to the signs of the mind 
signs of the mind are where was their where was their release? Where was their joyfulness? Where was there a little more space? Where did the pressure stop? Where did the nagging quiet down? What was that like? Take a photograph while it's around. Feel how your body was. What were the causes and conditions that supported that? Use your wisdom faculty. What were the causes and conditions that were present? Was it just giving it more time? Was it breathing out? Was it attending to my body? Was it being more forgiving? Was it... What were the causes and conditions that were present? What were the causes and conditions that were absent? Yeah, less compulsion, less need to achieve, less frenzy, you know, I mean just whatever. So you, you use your wisdom faculty because this is, you've got to take this home with you and you want to have some, some photographs of this realm and what opened it and what it was like in there so that you can, you can't, so you know the keys. You can't necessarily immediately know the space, but you can know the keys to get you back into that space or to stay in touch with that space, with that deep, deepening process. Mm-hmm. Now, so, you know, we're taking time with this and before you know before there are certain qualities certain um, levels of it you might say Mm. and the first level is just the awareness of other so taking instead just the awareness of other in a very almost impersonal way like there is a there is a tree there are other humans. I don't even know their names. I don't. You know, I don't know their history. I don't need to know their histories. It's just there are other humans, other beings. And what does that do? What's what's the effect of that? So we start to gently open the sense doors, the eye doors. We don't, and the gentleness of it, the lightness of it, again, isn't a significant feature. Because if you throw them open, you just tend to go back to the personal, oh, there's Susan, there's Henry, whatever, and yada, yada, yada. Well, before they arise, before those perceptions arise, first of all, human, take it slowly, fellow being, sub, a subject like this, a subject with an interior, not just that form I see the exterior of, not just the personality that I may know, but also a subject with an interior, with a transpersonal. Mm, how is that? that? You know, it's almost like you sense it first of all, like a vague sense of others. How does otherness touch you? What kind of space do you need to be with others? What happens when you see a another? Or, you know, how is that? Can you feel it? And it's very slow, light touch. And maybe this, I would say, 
my experience of the first is a slight tremble. I wouldn't say it's not fear, it's not excitement, it's just an activation. You know, maybe I'm sitting on my own in space and then particularly with humans, another human, there's a sort of tremble of mm, contact. What's this? What's this? I can feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. And it's triggered for either, you know, you could say fundamentally look at it very coarsely fight or flight <laughs> or, or resist, you know. And it, so it trembles on the edge of what's this gonna be? How's this? That trembling staying with that. Sensing that, letting that arise. Then, as we sense the other, we need to sense, in accordance with that, in tandem with that, this one. This one not as a person, not me as my competent or incompetent or whatever person, but just this presence of this this body here. And how is this? Now, very often what occurs at the moment of contact is, is a rushing up into the face. Mm. Or rushing up into the brain. Oh, oh right, that looks like... That's, that's, oh, yeah, I remember, I remember him, yeah. It's, it's, how are you doing? You know, this kind of thing. Okay, well that's not wrong, but it's too fast. It's too fast, we've jumped again. Could it be just like everyone you meet is a stranger? Not a hostile stranger, but just curious. Like, how is that? Just for that moment, we unknow. And that unknowing gives us a chance to slow down our process of becoming ourself. So there's a subjectivity, there's a here-ness, and in the presence of the other, a sense of, oh, I'm a this. You know, the subjectivity becomes more firm. And then rather than jump instantly into the personality, you stay with it. How am I in this? Let's be honest. Am I excited? Is there excitement? Is there agitation? Is there uncertainty? Reluctant? How is it? And then, can you feel your body, first of all? And the first thing to feel, actually, is your back. Mostly because the energy rushes up to the front. The sense doors are generally most of them on the front of the body, aren't the eyes and so forth, the eyes particularly. So it rushes up to there, to the mouth and the throat. And it's just a sense of just first of all feeling your back. Because the back is the sense of the support. Both grounds you, keeps you steady, centered, calm. It's not aggressive by any means. But it's there, it's, it's here. So you've got that sense of there's a certain firmness. That means that whatever arises in that contact, you know, you can, you can receive it. Because you've got a firm enough place to receive it. An embodied place to receive it. You're not going to fly winging off. You know, and often there's so much reactivity in, in the interpersonal domain and it can start off being quite fun and playful, and then something, oh dear, I wish I hadn't said that. You know. <laughs> Silly remark, or uh, you know, a bit of a tactless statement, or you know, I didn't know whether she looked at me. Because we, we picked up, you know, and we were too, too 
to we didn't have the, the sense of being able to receive the fluctuations because naturally as with uh, most experiences the interpersonal experience is pleasant uh, uncertain and occasionally un- uh, unpleasant not necessarily because the person is being unpleasant but I find myself slightly mystified by what she's talking about oh, I can't get it you know? so then I feel frustrated could you be clear you know? <laughs> or I feel a bit stymied because he's taking so long to get to the point so I feel come on hurry up man <laughs> spit it out <laughs> now as I say unpleasant I don't mean painful I just mean I feel you know there's a sense of wanting to wanting it to finish if you want something to finish it means it's unpleasant <laughs> right? so it doesn't necessarily strike you as stabbingly miserable but yeah, one sign of it, the subtle quantity of the unpleasant is I'd like to get to the end of this. I'd like this to move on quickly. That means it's unpleasant because you wouldn't want that, wouldn't say that about pleasure, would you? I never want pleasure to pass away. I want it to stay, you know. So just noticing this kind of subtle qualities of, of the unpleasant. So instead of saying, Oh gosh, she's going on again. One in the area. Uh-huh. We okay. This is just give it time because we respect subjectivity. This is how it's happening for her. I don't have to make this unpleasant. It can be what it, it can be. Her process, his statement, his mannerisms, there, whatever. Uh-huh. Why do I have to? jump on it and make it unpleasant one does have some say over mental pleasure and pain physical no but you do have authority over mental pleasure and pain and the mental pleasure is always caused through favouring and the mental displeasure is caused through opposing (laughs) obvious isn't it but you actually have some say over that you don't have to like something to not oppose it. You can just. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't find this something I'm particularly relishing, but. And respect for the subjectivity. This is just my subjectivity. Doesn't mean. And I can put that to one side my subjective feeling on a mental level and just come into the body be the listening presence so this helps to curtail a lot of of reactivity where things seem to spin out and karma gets laid down you know I would say you know and again don't take this person I found you know, interactions here, pleasant and unpleasant. Not because any of you are being unpleasant to me, but when I see people suffering, I find that unpleasant. I don't like it. I wish to change it. <laughs> so it doesn't mean I don't. It doesn't mean I don't want you to experience it. It's just that I have to also curb my wish for this to end. Not for the retreat to end, but for your pain to end. You know, for your difficulty to end. That's his process, he's with that. 
what's helped, rather than me reacting to it. Can I listen in and where's the opportunity to just to point the one thing, the other thing that this person might hear? And if give them space. Which is a lot more, I find that a lot more beneficial personally than, you know, trying to get people through something. So I look around and see some of you kind of obviously squirming on the floor, legs cocked up, hunched over, trying to stuff as many cushions on it. I think I like that. I think I want you to... <laughs> but at the same time, okay, well, I've said, you know, stand if you want, sit if you walk, you know, go walk, you know, it's, what else can I do? And then I can't stop you feeling pain. <laughs> I don't like it, or I could not like it, but I could just say, okay, that's the painful feeling. Looks like he's experiencing painful feeling. Uh-huh. Is it up to me to say there should be none? Or is it up to me to say, you know, please be supportive, hold, your, hold that, be aware of that, you know, do what you can with that. There is a way through this. So, you know, so naturally there's this, and certainly myself in teaching trees, there's a huge amount of, of reverberations. I feel pretty exhausted at the end of it, not because of what I've put out, but what I've, what I've absorbed, what I've taken in, just the amount of, of karma. But that's not unpleasant, incidentally, so don't make anything out of it, it's just the process. And naturally, also extremely um, uplifted and delighted um, with any kind of insights or realizations that you've had. Very, very delighted. And uh, I, I respect that. At the same time, I also don't own it. It's there. So, when you're own, in your own practice, just. First of all, the sense of this, the other, with whatever that can carry. And this is certainly not personal. You know, at times you may find me difficult, unpleasant, frightening. You know, okay, fair enough. That can be that way. Just bear, stay with that. You know, let that wave move till it steadies. You're here. own it, acknowledge it, notice it, don't project it out, hold it, see what you do with that, see if you can allow that to pass. And this is where your, your sense of your primal strength is necessary. Primal strength, as I say again, most clearly occurs in the bodily sense through the back and through the firm position on the ground. That should be pretty apparent, really, when you consider it. You know, you're planted, you're here. You don't have to lean, you don't owe, you don't, you're not obliged. You're not, you know, you're where you are. So then the chitta picks up that, and, okay, this is an unpleasant feeling, mental feeling. I don't have to oppose it. Or add to it. 
and then it can move through. And every time you, you're doing that, you're making your 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 relationships with other a lot easier, a lot easier, a lot less intensely jangling and and, and jumpy and fretful and worried. I would say it's impossible, perhaps, you know, particularly if you're with people for a longish time, you know, over years, you must defend each other, surely. You must disagree, surely. And can we be with that? So, first of all, the sense of the subject, the other, and how the immediate responses are to that. Can the immediate response be one of just, here am I? ground and if that's established then then indeed there can be the opening to the other just sensing taking it in mm. now so I would so for example when you it's good to start to open the sense doors in a fairly conscious but subtle way like you walk around just seeing the messages that come through the eyes when you're sitting in the dining hall. Doesn't mean you've got to gaze at everybody, but just be aware there's three other people around this table. May they be well. Yeah, why not? She likes to eat her food like that. Great, fine, it's okay. He eats six times more food than everybody else. <laughs> He's a growing lad. Good. <laughs> Rather than, yeah, I don't like him. Snip, snip, snap. Why is he so slow? Why is she so fast? She's greedy, obviously. <laughs> this kind of stuff can come up. Or oh, oh, perhaps I'm being greedy. I don't want to make sure I eat too much. I want to look like I'm a really mindful meditator. So I eat very slowly. You know, the kind of fear of not being up to the scrap, up to standard. <laughs> so just being able to sit down quietly without engaging, just realise there's three other people around the table. Here we are, human beings, getting our nourishment. How wonderful. You know, very primary sense. Getting our food, getting nourished. May we be well. You know? May we be well. So you see, then you start to enter the kind of the personal from a blessed place rather than jumping up into the into the comparison place. Where do we unite must be the first thing. Where does self and other not feel in a comfortable sense with each other before we get into personal? Um, and you must, if you as soon as you even touch that, that topic, there's got to be goodwill. Absolutely. You cannot do it any other way. And even if you just sort of sit sit at a table and recognise very in a very basic level, people are their hunger is disappearing. Oh. Then you feel good. Their hunger is pain their pain of hunger is disappearing. Their body's being replenished. Oh. You know? So that's a very transpersonal, it's not you know, quality. And then you just, you know, as you do, you think of the cooks. They fed me. Wow. 
the earth has fed me another day. Oh, and more mudita, joy, gladness at the good fortune. So you see, this is so we need to kind of touch that level before we go any more complicated. Interpersonal world. Now, naturally, of course, we also have the organizational world, which we carry on abstracts in our heads, our plans, our schedules, our by next June, our by the end of the year, by da 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 da, those kind of things. Mm. And naturally, in meditation, pretty often you're trying to swap that away. <laughs> Shut up. Because it is uh, compulsive, but then. You know, you want to have a, a note on that. Big note is unknown. Future is all cannot be other than unknown. So all those plans, you want to start to consider them as uncertain. If they're uncertain, then you're the most secure you can be. It's when we rel- when we expect things to be certain, we become insecure because we get suddenly. We're not taking account, we're not taking into account the reality of the transpersonal. It's always here, now. You cannot plan it. And if you don't leave room for that to to appear, to manifest, then you're living your life basically bound to circumstances and conditions and not allowing transpersonal room to grow, express itself and guide you. So the, the tighter and closer you, 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 know, you weave your plans in order to feel you've got everything sorted out, you're leaving out the most important bit. <laughs> Which is the, the mystery of the unfolding, the mystery of the ending of karma. You're just planning more karma based upon the old pattern and not leaving room for the end of karma. And that, you know, which is the most important bit. So you start to perhaps, as you come up to the organisational level, just, uh-huh, maybe so. And with everything that you have, you know, imagined structured in or semi-structured in, really look at that, revise that again, look at it again, and just see where are the pauses, where is the white space, where is the empty places in that. And you better find them, and you know, factor factor them in. Otherwise, you know, otherwise you 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 shut down this process, and um, that's the way it is actually. Time to also not be yourself, however good yourself is. I always felt it was pretty much a duty, an obligation I took fairly seriously, as far as I take anything seriously, was to spend at least once, one day a week breaking patterns, you know? So just being lazy, musing around with nothing particular, dragging out a bit of paper and doodling on it, um, lying on my back and looking at the stars, <laughs> whatever you know, break out of the the the, the structure. Even if your structure is quite, it's just it needs it needs it needs to have that breathing space. 
to be, you know, insignificant or unimportant or not getting anywhere, just the discharge. And I'm really, really, I don't think any of us uh, can um, really expect this process to continue in a fruitful way without, you know, supportive structure that allow, allows one to deconstruct in a day. So look at that at this time. Yeah. Practice some of that at this time. Practice aimlessness. Yeah. While you, you have the encouragement, you don't have other things on your agenda, I encourage you also to spend the time just being aimless. Not running around distracted, but just vague, open, sensing the sensitivity to this world the sights and sounds, such a thing as colour, warmth, heat, forms. What is that? The vague sense of being born, like it was the first day, and you don't really know what this world's about. Mm-hmm. So I think encourage that too. It's starting with very primary, almost childlike senses before we learn how to be who we are. Mm. Coming to the, how does the body walk? Something like that. So, okay, you know, you go, oh, walk down to the kitchen, it's time for the meal. If you walk down to the kitchen, time for the meal, you're already in stress. you carry the designation I'm walking to the kitchen that's already stressful because that designation is always aimed at the kitchen and now I'm not in the kitchen so is that but actually you don't need to walk to the kitchen all you do is point your body in the right direction get those legs moving keep your eyes open and you'll get there (laughs) it'll get there (laughs) for you you don't need to walk there your body would do it. Just kind of switch it on, point it that way, <coughs> follow the road, keep your eyes open to follow the road. It arrives, and you can keep letting go of the idea of getting into the kitchen, or somebody being somebody who's getting into the kitchen. If you think of getting in the kitchen, you'll start to wonder if you're late, how much time there is, what you can do there, what you, you know, and all that will start happening. So, learning to cut designations in very simple things, you know. And if you begin to get that understanding of that, that exercise, then again, this is something you can take with you. So when you're driving to work, you're just sitting in a car and holding the wheel and being, driving safely. If you do that, you'll get to work. But if you're driving to work thinking, I've got to get to work, I've got to get to work, likely you won't drive safely and you might not get to work. <laughs> So it's this, this is just very pragmatic, uh, I think, and also it, um, it is, you know, it's Dhamma. Dhamma practice is like this. So if it's for your reflection this morning.